This is a free download from Delancey Eden Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Eden Church building at the Bank St. Sampson in the Channel Islands of Guernsey. Contact us to find out more information about us. Please visit our website at delanceyelim.co.uk. Romans chapter 6. I want to, uh, we're going to look at quite a few scriptures today. Uh, we don't tend to do that, particularly on Easter Sunday, but often we can know, I think we can know so much. We read so many verses and it just goes over our heads. And I want us, as we read some of these scriptures, just to let them get inside your heart today. And, and just realise today that, that all that is said in these scriptures is true of you. And the goal is to actually live out what we read. Sometimes we can read things and think, that's amazing, that's great, that's amazing, that's awesome but not really live out the truth of it. And I want to read scriptures today that just, I want us to really think about how to identify with Jesus' resurrection. How, how actually do we identify that? How does, what difference does that make to our lives? If Jesus has really risen, then how many would think that should make some sort of difference in the way we live our lives today? How many would think that? And the scriptures are full of verses that show us how differently that should be. So we're going to begin with a well-known one, Romans chapter 6. I don't think I'll be too long this morning, but just a few facts for you just to think about. Romans 6. Because I think the, rev- the resurrection of Jesus is the greatest historical fact that's ever impacted our world. Uh, and it, it, it just should absolutely revolutionise. The truth of it should revolutionise our world. I really believe that. People could grasp this. It, it would just revolutionise our world. Uh, Romans 6, verse 5. And here's Paul talking about the impact, the the identifying with the fact that Jesus is alive and Jesus has rose again from the dead. It says, For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, and that we should no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we die with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For his death that he died, he died to sin once and for all. But to the life that he lives, he lives for God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. And really, what I want to look at this morning is to see that, I mean, sometimes we kind of, we often adapt these things to, certainly the resurrection, we look at it as a past tense, rather than living in the reality of it here and now. And that's what I want us to get hold of. Uh, because the idea of, of, of it, the goal of God really is to bring us into the, into really the best way to describe it. He wants us to bring us into the image, not of the, basically the image of the glorified Jesus. That's the image we're meant to be brought into, if you like. You know, when Jesus had, had rose on that third day when he rose, and you remember Mary wanted to sort of hold Jesus, remember that? And he says, don't cling to me, because I've not yet ascended to the Father. And the truth was, Jesus couldn't release the Holy Spirit until he had first ascended. And he says that when I've ascended, then I will send the Holy Spirit. And the goal of the Holy Spirit is to cause us to become more and more like the resurrected Jesus. 
That's the goal of it. It's to pour into our lives resurrected life. That's the goal of what the Holy Spirit does. It comes to energise us. It comes to pour into us the life of Jesus. Simple as that. That's what the Holy Spirit comes to. He comes to pour into us the life of the resurrected Jesus. And Romans 6.11 says, Therefore, count yourselves dead. As far as God is concerned, your old life is finished. Done away with. Gone. The truth is, we need to really believe that's true. Because <laughs> that's how God sees it. And so we're learning to see our old life the way God sees it. Because when Jesus was raised from the dead and was seated at the right hand of God the Father, Jesus accomplished on our behalf so that we could live in resurrection life. How many are glad for resurrection life? Sometimes we're more conscious of the old life rather than being more conscious of the resurrected life. Isn't that awesome? In other words, we kind of live as we lived before because we feel that's got more power over us. Rather than realising the resurrection life that Jesus died to bring us is far more powerful than anything of the old life. It's a matter of believing that my old life is dead, finished, done away with, and believing that now I have a new resurrected life in the power of Jesus. Amen? Now, Two years ago, I think, yeah, was, I'm trying to think, everybody lose t- track of time sometimes. I mean, Amy was in Australia, which I think was about, maybe, probably about, about 10 or so years ago when she was in Australia. I remember we went to see her, and when we were in Australia, we were in Sydney, we were going to go, I think, to the, to the Gold Coast. I think it was that, I think. And so you've got to get a plane from Sydney to the Gold Coast. So you've got a plane, okay? How many know Australia is such a vast country? You know, Maybe in the UK you travel from Cornwall to Scotland and the crazy thing is the timeline's still the same. It's still the same timeline. But in Australia, when you cross certain parts of Australia, you cross timelines, as is true in America. Uh, now we didn't, I kind of didn't get that. I didn't realise it. And, and when we got on the plane, they didn't even tell you that now you've arrived in where the Gold Coast is, that the timeline has now changed. I didn't know that. So we spent the whole day living, I think, two hours beyond what we should have. We and so we lived, our, we, lived, we lived our life two hours different to what it should be. And I remember sort of, uh, we, we had to, my suitcase had collapsed. We'd gone to Indonesia the day before and, we, and I bought a, and I, you know they say it's supposed to be some designer label. <laughs> and I bought a designer label, in inverted commas, suitcase. So I picked the suitcase up and the whole case just <laughs> collapses and I'm just left with a handle from this designer label suitcase uh, which is also the same as my designer label watch which also stopped after about 30 minutes had a couple of hours but here's the point so I thought I'm not going to get a new suitcase and we looked at the time thought oh my goodness it's 5.30 and all the shops will be closing and so we rushed around this, we rushed around this uh, shopping mall shopping. I'm thinking this is weird because it's 5.30 and it should have closed but nobody's acting like it's closed because usually you get all the shutters down and they're acting like it's not closed and so we we were kind of, I couldn't, we were rushing around, but thinking, why is nothing shutting down? And I said to the lady, oh, aren't you closing the ministry? She said, well, no, no, it's only half past three. And then he kind of struck me. Actually, I've been living my life in a total different time zone. Now, spiritually speaking, that can be true of us. We can live our lives in a totally wrong spiritual timeline. 
Because here's the thing. The past tense is sin that's done away. That's, that's past tense. The new tense that we live in is the relationship of the Holy Spirit. Scripture says the old life has been done away with. Past tense. Timeline. And we have a resurrection life of Jesus, which is present tense. And what we need to do is to learn to reset our spiritual clocks. Instead of living in the past, of our past life, of our old life, of our past sin, we need to get into our new spiritual timeline, which is resurrection life. That's the timeline we are meant to be living. Look at Colossians 2 verse 12. That kind of brings that out so powerfully. Colossians 2 verse 12. Here's the great truth. It says, Buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him, through faith is the working of God, who raised him from the dead. You've died with Christ, you've been raised to life in Christ, so everything about you should be different. Is that true? Everything, should, everything about you should be absolutely different because now you have new resurrected life. Isn't that a challenge? How different really are we to what we used to be? Look back on your life and say, how different am I? Because our lives, if it's resurrection life, and then we would say it should be absolutely, totally different. Absolutely, so radically different, it, it's just a million miles away from the way our old life should be. You know, awful. I ever forgot to reset your clock when the time changes. I remember years and years ago in our first church, I remember sort of forgetting, because it's before all digital stuff, and now it's done automatically, and that's cool. I'm so glad about that. But you, you have to do it, you know. You have to actually change your watch. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awful? You actually have to move something to make it happen. Uh, and I remember getting there. I got there. I think we got there, and I was looking at my watches. Half past nine came, quarter ten came. And not one person was there. <laughs> ten o'clock came. And I'm thinking, what did I say last week? What, 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 what did I say? <laughs> Quarter past ten came, nobody there. And I'm just, I think me and Angie, and I, th- I think Carlos was there at the time, and, and Amy, and we're just sitting there on the, on the, on the chairs, nobody else there. And then he struck me. We forgot to put our clocks, I think, forward, wherever it was. And everybody else then started to come in, because we realised that we were an hour in front of everybody else. And I think sometimes we need to reset our spiritual clock and say, you know what? That old life is finished, done away with. And I'm now living in the new life of the resurrected Christ. Here's the question. If that is true, how does it live? You know, what does it look like? How do I live that out? What is the benefit of the resurrected life? Here's the first one. Righteousness. Don't you think that's awesome? Righteousness. Romans 5.17 says... For if one man's sin, offence, death reigned through one, how much more who receive the abundance of grace of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through that one Jesus Christ. You see, we're called to reign in life. How many realise that? I'm not just talking about reigning in heaven, I'm talking about reigning in this life, here and now. How come all the problems and the circumstances of life seem to rule us rather than realising I'm called to reign in this life? I have authority now. I reign in life now. Why? Because I've been given a gift of righteousness. 
I walk in confidence and victory rather than in shame and disappointment and despair. I think there's two types of righteousness. There's imputed, says the Bible, and imparted righteousness. Imputed righteousness, basically that when God looks at you, how do you realise he looks at Jesus? Isn't that awesome? When he looks at you, sometimes we lose sight of that, but the righteousness he looks at is not a righteousness I've earned or deserved. It's a gift that God gives to me. I've had this imputed righteousness. It's been given to me. He looked, God looks at me through the eyes and the lens of Jesus Christ. But also, not only is it imputed, but it's imparted. And that's, in part, that's so important because it's the amazing thing. God doesn't just cover you with what he was. He doesn't just cover you with his righteousness, but here's the incredible thing. He also fills you with who he is. Isn't that awesome? Not only does he kind of give you his righteousness, but he imparts to you who he is. He imparts to you his presence, his power. I'm not just empowered with the righteousness of Christ himself, but also my life has been transformed because what's been poured into me is the very life of of God. And I think the fruit of righteousness, the Bible says, that we become bold as lions. I think a lot of people struggle to realise that when they come into the throne of God, when they come into the presence of God, there's a confidence there because you have a confidence in the righteousness that God has given to you. Unless you have a confidence in that righteousness, I tell you how you're going to come before God. You're going to come before God with a sense of shame, with a sense of guilt, with a sense of condemnation. And that's how a lot of people come into God's presence. They're just full of shame, they're full of condemnation, they're full of guilt. Because they've never fully realised that they've been given as a gift the righteousness of God. And the more you realise that, the more when you come before God, you come with a boldness, you come with a confidence, and you come with an assurance that God accepts me, God receives me. Not because of who I am, because I've been given the gift of righteousness. What God has accomplished through Christ for me. That means I have access to God. Isn't that awesome? I have access to the living, resurrected Christ. Total access to him. There's there's nothing that separates me. There's no barrier. There's no wall. The only barrier, the only walls that are there are the walls I put up. Because Jesus has torn the veil in two. And now I just come boldly to his presence with confidence and assurance, knowing that what I ask him, he will do for me according to his will. I kind of feel until we have that, we can never really experience the level of his presence that he wants us to experience. Because I think knowing that you're the righteousness of God in Christ, that what Christ has done for you on the cross, will give you a sense and awareness of the presence of God. It's very hard to really experience the presence of God when you're full of guilt, when you feel condemned, when you feel shame in your heart. It's very hard to sense the presence. But when that barrier is removed, you know what the result is? That awareness, that confidence, that assurance, that awareness, that consciousness that the presence of God is with me and nothing can separate me from that. Isn't that awesome? Here's a second thing. Fullness. 
the benefits of what the resurrection life brings is fullness. 2 Colossians 2, 9 and 10. It says, For him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principalities and powers. We'll just see something. What the enemy wants to do is cause you to live a life where you never feel quite together. You never feel complete. You always feel there's brokenness. You always feel there's, there's something shattered inside you. But when you understand the power of Christ, it causes a completeness in your heart. A completeness. Now it says that, it says there that Jesus feels everything. Isn't that awesome? He holds everything together. You know what? You could travel at the speed of light through the universe. And you could travel for maybe five, ten years. Let me know, you would hardly touch the universe. And here's the incredible thing. That even though you could travel for five or ten years at the speed of light, whatever you reach in the universe, Jesus would still be holding it together. Because he holds everything together. The most distant galaxy you can ever imagine is held together by the very word of his power. How many think that's awesome? And he's an awesome God. That awesome Christ who holds everything together, the Bible says that in him we have fullness. God's purpose for you is what is fullness. I think sometimes we live with a half gospel. Forgiveness is awesome, but it's only a half gospel. The full gospel is forgiveness, but fullness as well. We don't just want to live in forgiveness, we want to live in fullness. Let me show you a great verse. Ephesians 3.19 If you're able to kind of think about these verses afterwards and get them into your heart, they will really bless you. But Ephesians 3. This is God's purpose. This is Paul's prayer for the church. This is God's purpose for you. He says that you would know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. When you personally identify with the death and the resurrection of the man Christ, how many realise you encounter the love of God? And the more you encounter, the more revelation that you have that you are loved by God, the more that you will be filled with all the fullness of God. Every place in your life where God travels with his presence is all from the touch of his love. And here's what you see. When we are resistant to the love of God, that means that part of my being won't, won't receive the fullness of God. You just see that. The more I receive a revelation of his love for me, the result of that will be fullness. And I think one of the reasons why people don't really have fullness in their life is they don't really grasp how much God loves them. I think if we would just get that revelation in our lives, how much you're loved by God, out of that comes a result of the fullness of God. At every part of my life I resist that love means there's a lesser, a lesser life of fullness. Fullness comes by having a revelation of how much God loves me. And I just think that that just kind of changes, that revolutionises life. The, 
The fullness of God is all about God wanting to demonstrate who Jesus is through yielded believers. John 1.16 says, Out of his fullness have we all received grace upon grace. Out of his fullness. God's so full, out of his grace he wants to pour that into your being. So you're filled with all the fullness of God. And the more you understand of his resurrection life and his love for you, the more you'll live a life of fullness. See, God doesn't want anybody. I think, you know, if you were to look at your car, isn't it? have you read that when the light comes on? What does that mean? Empty! I wonder if we could look at your spiritual life, what the clock would be. Are you running on empty or are you running on fullness? It's a very much a dangerous sign when that light goes on. Now, not so bad over here because we always can, you, can always find a, you can always find a petrol station somewhere, is that true? If you're, on the, if you're ever on, on a motor in the UK and you see a light come on and then you see next service station, I don't know, 20 miles or something, how many feel that's a dangerous place to be? To live and drive a car on empty. How much more dangerous is it for you to live your spiritual life on empty? And a lot of people are doing it. They're doing it in their own power, their own ability, their own strength, and they wonder why they're discouraged, depressed and despondent as they are, because simply they're living on empty. And that's not where any of us were called to live. We were called to live in the fullness of the life of Christ. How come he's resurrected and we still live totally defeated? When we should be living in resurrection power because we're living in the fullness that Jesus called to bring us. Here's a third thing. Power. I love that one. 2 Peter 2. Oh, I could say that all day. Power. 2 Peter 2. Second letter. 2 Peter chapter 1. Verse 3 to 4. What a powerful verse this is. This is a verse you underlined. Look at verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied. Anyone multiple, I want multiplication of grace and peace. And it comes in the knowledge of God and in Jesus Christ our Lord. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by grace and virtue. By which you've given exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. Isn't that awesome? Everything that you need for life and godliness, every promise is yes and amen in Christ. Christ in you is his resurrection life, is his fullness. And he wants to release in you everything that he has in himself. And he says the way you actually come into that, I mean, sometimes you live your life thinking, you know, I know I have the power, but how come? I don't, how come I don't live out of it? You know what I mean? Felt like that? I see all this power that Jesus has brought to bring me. How come I don't experience that power? How come I don't live in that power? And often, you know, we say, God, give me more power. You know what the reality is? The power's already there. Isn't that true? It's already there. The problem is, we don't have a conscious awareness that the power's there. And I found this, it comes through the knowledge of him. So the more I know that, 
The more conscious I become of it, the more of his power that will work through me. The less aware I am of it, the less conscious I am of him, the less knowledge I have of that, then the less power I have. True power of God always comes through knowledge of him. Knowing what he has done for me, knowing his resurrection life, and really knowing that, and being conscious of that, causes me to live in the power of his resurrected life. It's when I lose that conscious awareness of it, when I'm no longer aware of it, when I don't really know it, that I'm not going to have the power. But that power's there. Everything that you need for life and godliness is already there. We just need to... We just need to see. That's what I'm saying. That when you see it, you will release it. When you see... Let me put it this way. Ever looked at some situation, you know, I, I, I really need compassion. That's true, yeah. I, I see those people and I, I really feel I need compassion for them. Ever felt that way, you know? I really feel I lack compassion and I really feel I need compassion. You know, the truth is, when you see compassion in Jesus, then what you see in him will be released in you. I felt the need of mercy. When I see his mercy, then I'll release that mercy in me. When I see his power, then I will release that power in me. What I see in him will become true of me. What I don't see in him won't become true in me. Let me show you a great verse that kind of brings that really to truth. 1 John 3, verse 2. See, what you see is what will be, be released. It gets released through the knowledge of See, when I see him as a strong tower, he's going to be a strong tower to me. Isn't that true? When I see him as a defender, then he'll be a defender to me. When I see him as a healer, then he'll be a healer to me. Every revelation I have of him releases something in me that causes me to be released through me. Let me show you what I mean. 1 John 3. Verse 20. Sorry, verse 2. 1 John 3, verse 2. Beloved, now, say now, now we are the children of God. And it's not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is, notice this, when he's revealed, we shall be what? Like him. For we shall see him as he Yes. Isn't that awesome? But when I see him, when I have a revelation of who he is, when I know him, who he is, then out of that knowledge, then that begins to transform me. I begin to see actually I am equipped for victory because Jesus has won the victory. So here's that wonderful truth today. We have righteousness, we have fullness, we have power. Three quick ways you access that. How do you access resurrection life? Here's the first thing. Reckon. Romans 6.11 says, Reckon yourself dead to sin. That's, a, that's an heuristic term, believe it or not. So reckon. One-on-one makes it. It's, it's a term that you use for addition, for, for arithmetic. 
going back, I seem to be going back a long time, but years ago we used to, you know, everyone, I don't know if you had them here, but everyone were the old greengrocers. The green gro- remember before the supermarkets came, you had like a, a greengrocer. And like this, there was one called Paddy, that's what he used to be called. How many, many realised where he was from? And he was called Paddy. And I always remember my mum said, go and get such and such a thing. So I used to go and she would say, when I used to say, can I have such and such a thing, wherever it was, he says, oh, do you want me to put it on your tab? I don't remember tabs. <laughs> put it on your tab. And it used to be awesome. I, used to, I thought, wow, this is great. I'll, I'll have this, I'll have this, I'll have that. Thinking I wouldn't have to pay for it, so my mum would then drop up the bill and pay for the tab afterwards. I remember that. And, I just, and that is so true, in a sense, of what we have spiritually. How many glad that Jesus has already paid the tab? The tab has already been paid. Here's the problem. Sometimes it's like having a million pounds in the bank, but you can't access it. You see, all there is promise there, and you look at it, you think, this is awesome, this is amazing, but how come I read all that, but I don't access it in my life? And the reason why we don't access it is because we don't reckon it. We don't reckon what God has done. God has said that he's settled everything. And you need to have confidence that he has settled the whole account. In other words, you need to reckon it as a done deal. As much as one and one is two, that you need to see that you're dead to sin and that your new, your new life has been hidden and you have been given a new nest of life. I love what someone once said. It's getting your check signed rather than getting your bills paid. Isn't that awesome? Often all we're thinking about is getting our bills paid rather than cashing our checks. In other words, cashing the promises that God has made available. It's reckoning. I would think about this. Say you've got £300 and you put £300 in the bank. This is deep science now. Deep, deep mathematics. How much do you think you can access by the way, this is not catching you out. If you put £300 in the bank, how much do you think you can access? £300, that's right, yeah. Thanks, Steve. You can access £300. You haven't got an O-draft, have you? Or a, yeah, which probably most of you have got, but no, no. But the point is, is that it's the same fact. My old life has gone. All the habits, all the past, all the temptations... I reckon myself dead to those things. And I live in the newness of God. One other thing, Revelation. Revelation, Colossians 3 verse 1. If then you are raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. You know what he's saying? He says, set your mind on things above because that's where you died and that's where your life is hidden. You're dead. Your old life is finished. And here's this what he's saying. He says, stop acting like you're not dead. Here's what I want to say, really. Your home, really, is what you fix your thoughts on. That's what it's about. He's saying, fix your minds with things that are above. And I think everything changes, your life begins to change when you begin to set your mind 
and things above. How many of you love the Lord's Prayer? It says, let your kingdom come. In other words, it's saying, let the culture, let the atmosphere of heaven, let God's way of doing things in my life begin to come to pass. And there's one thing about heaven, one fact about the throne is this. The Lamb of God is sitting on it. And that's the one thing we need to have our mind anchored in. Here's the thing. Whatever you have your mind anchored in, whatever you focus on in your mind, that's your kingdom. That's what your kingdom is. That's, where, that's whatever kingdom rules in your life. I think people live under the kingdom of their past, the kingdom of regret, the kingdom of unforgiveness, because that's what they think on, that's what they dwell on, and that's what begins to rule in their lives. And so Paul says, have your mind seated on the things above. Discover all that Jesus has accomplished for you. Begin to explore with your mind your inheritance. Begin to discover all the wonders of the resurrected life and begin to enter into it. Begin to confront the things in our life that Jesus made powerless by his death and resurrection. I'm saying this morning, take the biggest problem of your life and begin to put it before the Lamb of God. Because he's defeated it and he's put it under the feet of his redeemed people. I'm going to say this morning, whatever you're facing in life right now, Jesus has already faced and he's already defeated it. Once and for all. And Paul says, be seated. Begin to see your problem through the perspective of the Lamb of God on the throne. I found this, that when you set your mind on things above, those things begin to be true, and they begin to be real, and they begin to be alive in your life. And what the enemy wants you to think is that thing has power over you, has victory over you. Let me close with this. Romans 6.13, let me close with this one. Because really this is what the whole thing really is all about. Romans 6.13 And do not present your members as instruments of righteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. You know what that means, present yourself to God? It simply means you're giving to God what's already his. Isn't that awesome? See, you already belong to God. If I've got £10 in my pocket, <laughs> no, I'm simply thinking of money today, I don't know what that is. Uh, if you've got £10 in your pocket, if I had £10 in my pocket, not yours, I'm free to spend that the way I want to spend it. Now, if that £10 belongs to you, then I can't spend your £10 because that belongs to you. And that's what really this is first of all, but he said, listen, you don't belong to yourself. You present yourself to God and you're giving to God what already is. And I think resurrected life begins that we begin to see we are not our, our own, but we 
belong to God. I'm presenting to God what belongs to him. My gifts, my abilities, my money, my time, my talents, Lord, they're yours. I'm only giving back to you what's already yours. But I'm presenting it as a voluntary vessel and I'm giving it to you because it doesn't belong to me. But every time you think it's yours, you actually hinder the resurrected life. But when you present it to God, recognising it's yours or that it is already, then God begins to work through what you give him. Let me close with one great quote from Watchman Nee. He said, I, I, I must have... He said, I, I, I must have first have the sense of God's possession of me before I can have a sense of his presence with me. Isn't that awesome? I must have a sense of God's possession of me before I can have a sense of God's presence with me. When I realise that everything I am and everything I have is His, and more and more I'm going to have a conscious awareness of His presence with me, and the resurrection life is going to become more and more real to me. You know, I believe with all my heart that you and I can get to a point in our life where the resurrected life of Jesus is more real to us than anything else in life. I believe Jesus can be more real to you than the person sitting next to you. It can, be, it can be so real to you. And you're just so conscious, it's so real in your life. And that's awesome because when you face a problem, you know, his reality is greater than the problem you're facing. Greater is he that's in you than he's in the world. And that's what we're called to live our life, to live our lives every day, moment by moment, in our, in our workplace, in, our, in the marketplace, in home life, in family life, wherever it is, we just live out the life of resurrection. And I tell you what, that begins to impact people because the resurrection life of Jesus is totally different from anybody or anything else around us. And we live our lives out of that reality. He's alive and he lives in me. You ask me how I know he lives? He lives within my heart. How can you say that unless you have a burning reality that that's true in your life? And that changes your conversation, it changes the way you think, it changes the way you live your life, it changes the way you deal with your possessions, it changes the way that you, you relate and you adapt and the relationship. Everything changes through a reality of the resurrected life of Jesus. Let's just stand right now. I just thank him right now that his resurrection life isn't somewhere out there somewhere. But the resurrected life of Jesus lives in you. When you say, Lord, today, cause that to be a burning reality in me today. That Christ liveth and he liveth in me. He lives in me. His reality, his power, the same power that raised Christ from the dead now dwells in me. I would say if that is true today for our lives then nothing is impossible for you and I. Because the greatest power that God ever demonstrated was when he raised Jesus from the dead. And if that power is at work in you then nothing can be impossible for those who believe in him. 
Lord, I want to say thank you, Lord, so much for your resurrected life. Thank you, Lord, that you don't call us to live this life in our own power, in our own strength and our own ability. Because we know every time we do, we fail miserably. But we thank you for resurrected life. Thank you for the great truth that whatever we're facing now, Christ lives in me. And the greater one is in me than he that's in the world. Thank you for resurrected life today, Lord. Thank you that you rose again so that we could be raised to life with you. Thank you, it's nothing separate or it's not distinctive, but Lord, when you died, we died with you. And when you raised, we were raised to newness of life with you. And I pray today, Lord, that you'd bring us revelation truth, that you'd allow that truth to really get into the very core, the very depths of our hearts today. And we would leave this gathering knowing that Jesus lives in me. His reality, his resurrection life is in me. His power is in me. His fullness is in me. We want to live out that reality, Lord, in our everyday lives, Lord. And we give you the praise today that you've not called us to live this life independent of you. We thank you, you've caused us to live this life with you. And so we thank you, we praise you, we adore you. Thank you for your resurrection now, Lord. Thank you that death could not hold you. And now you live forevermore. And we live eternally with you forever. In your mighty name. Bless your people today, Lord. Let us live in resurrection life, we pray. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this free download from Delancey Elim Church. For more downloads or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceyelim.co.uk.